Driving? No purchase necessary. You're listening to Radio Free Urban Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism. I am your host, Alex Williams, but of course, I'm not your only host. There's three of us. We've got Nick Laporte over in Corner One. Hello. And of course, Ethan Myers over in Corner Two. Welcome back, everybody. I guess that leaves me in Corner Three. Thanks for joining us once again. This is an episode number, episode six, I see as I'm looking at the spreadsheet we've got going on. And today we're going to start off with a little PSA from our friend Nick Laporte. Yeah, that's for me. So there's this thing about bikes. They get stolen sometimes. And what's really nice is when your bike gets stolen, it actually gets returned to you. So that's something that didn't traditionally happen until certain things started to pop up. So there actually traditionally used to be registration programs for bikes. You could get it back. But those kind of went by the wayside in about the 70s. So there's actually this one called Project 529 Garage. And this is an organization that is working to help bring people's bikes back to them after they're stolen. In fact, when it was implemented in Vancouver just a few years ago, I think in 2015, in conjunction with the police. So the police actually have the database. They have all the information. If you want the, the police to get that information, your phone number and everything, you have a checkbox when you register your bike on here. And since 2015, they saw a decline in bike thefts up to 40% in Vancouver, which is absolutely incredible. And I think that's within conjunction of different things that they're doing in different places. For example, on Granville Island, having more, um, what do you call them? Just uh, not corrals. What is it when you like a uh, valet services for bikes and stuff mm. like that? That's also a part of mm. it. But yeah, you can go on this website and this is for certain cities. You can check to see if your city's on there. They're expanding all the time. And you can even reach out to your own city if they don't have a service like this to opt in, but it doesn't matter either way. You can go ahead and sign up as long as you have the registered serial number on your bike, which is usually on the bottom of the frame. You can go in there and register your bike on there, take a picture, make sure that's on there. And yeah, if your bike gets stolen, there's a bigger chance that you'll be able to get it back. So just a little PSA, register your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent PSA. Was it, uh, was it Tom from Shifter that made a video about this a while back? He did. Yeah. He was on Granville yeah. Island. He was talking to somebody from Garage 529. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. And like Nick said, if your city doesn't have this, get involved a little bit. You can you can be the one to uh, start that process. I think, and we're going to talk more about this later in the episode, but it's important to remember that you do have some power. You do have some agency in your city. And you are able to affect it as a small example of this before we get to our next uh, segment here. I uh, I submitted a 311 request the other day while I was standing at a bus stop. There was like a coffee spill and it was a big mess. And I submitted a 311 request to have it cleaned up within 10 minutes while I was still waiting at the bus stop. Somebody showed up to clean it up. So you can uh, you can make a small or big difference in your neighborhood and uh, getting this project 529 started in your neighborhood to get bikes registered. That's a, I think that's a big difference, a big impact that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. It also doesn't create too much infrastructure. So your city council is definitely a lot more likely to actually approve it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more of an adoption process than like a, Hey, I'd really love for like a, a big parking garage out front of my house. So all my friends can come over. I have a lot of friends, so, you know, I need that. Um, so (laughs) speaking of infrastructure though, uh, Ethan has, has something to share with us, something going on here. 
So for anybody who's been paying attention to the Chicago Transit Authority, the CTA for short, um, recently they just reopened up one of their iconic lines known as the Yellow Line, and that was shut down for 50 days due to an accident that had occurred on the line. So I want you to understand 50 days is almost two months in that time frame, but for transit to be shut down for two months is crazy because that means a lot of people who were using that line had to full on divert for nearly two months. And this kind of brings up a broader topic that we were talking about earlier, and that is that roads really get a real priority when it comes to repairs. Like, politicians will bend over backwards to get road projects or, you know, emergency repairs done on roads compared to transit. My two biggest examples come from South or come from Southern California. You had LA, the 10 caught on fire earlier this year. And that was repaired within about, I believe it was 12 days. It might have been just a week, but it wasn't shut down for very long. And there was a full-on fire underneath the highway. Now, compared to a pretty vital rail link, Amtrak's third busiest service, their busiest outside of the Northeast Corridor, the Pacific Surfliner, it was shut down for something like eight months because of... um because of um, erosion due to the trackage. The track runs actually right along the Pacific Ocean. And it's just crazy to think about how all these projects get so much priority for roads rather than transit. It's like transit in this country is just completely thrown by the wayside. Is this kind of like little like fun thing that we kind of experiment with, but it's not actually important infrastructure, you know? And then there's also the example of the Philly Bridge that the viaduct that collapsed and then was repaired like in like two weeks. Yeah. So is that actually them just ignoring it? For example, in Toronto or sorry, not Toronto in Chicago, was that because they weren't just fixing it or it actually took that long? So when it comes to it, we're still like trying to get a lot of information out of it because they haven't exactly been the best with communicating anything on the yellow line because literally two days before they announced that they didn't have an opening date for the yellow line and then literally the night before service re- began, they did a press conference and said, oh, yeah, yellow line service is back. Mm, so they literally said, we don't have a timeline. And within 48 hours, they were like, service is back. And this was after it being shut down for over 48 days at this point. So, wow, it, it's just it's it was poor communication. Mm-hmm. And the CTA has really been in kind of a free fall when it comes to service. It kind of is suffering from a lot of the issues that the TTC is facing with it. it's kind of just like managed like i there's a term for it it's called like managed like reduction of service or something like that but Hmm. the cta has been seeing a lot of issues and this is really just kind of the icing on the cake but also kind of a broader statement about transit around north america in general Yeah. yeah i think it's really important because like you said having that shut down for almost two months that completely changes the way people start to move around their, their city, the way that they've traditionally commuted to work or gone to some place that they typically go to completely changes the way they're going to move around their city. And then once it's returned, you know, how much of their previous patterns is going to return to that previous state? Now, someone might have just bought a car because they like couldn't deal with some other detour that they had to take. And now they're going to now keep it, driving that car, something like that, right? It's not exactly the longest line in the world. Like it literally only has like three stations on it. It is like six miles, but Still, regardless, I mean, that's transit that's been shut down for that long. It's mm-hmm. it's just insane to me that it takes that long to fix something that's essential to everybody. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What was it that happened in the first place to lead to this? So there was a collision with maintenance of way equipment on the line. Okay. So it was pulling. So um, the train was pulling into its southern terminus, which is called Howard. It's called Howard Terminal. And there was some maintenance of way equipment. And I don't and I believe either the operator ignored. I don't actually I'm not super specific into knowing what happened, but it was something of either the signal didn't change or the operator ignored the signal or didn't see the signal and there was a collision. Luckily, no one died because of this, but still, it's just it's crazy that, you know, a line was shut down for 50 weeks because of it. Now, obviously, you have to do signal upgrades, but I mean, there's also a similar situation that happened in Baltimore where some of their trains were catching fire on the light rail. So they had to shut down the system, but they had it open within two weeks. Right. Right. Interesting. That is interesting. And I, I think I, I don't know all the details, but I know like transit and cycling and even walking like these are forms of transportation that have been typically delegitimized as as reasonable ways to get around your city as reasonable ways to travel and move yourself from place to place. And, uh, and I, I hope that in the future we can work to legitimizing them and, and prioritizing them in the same way. And, and we see this one great example of demonstrating this is the way we talk about, uh, rail versus roads. When we build a road, we say, Oh, great. That will make it so convenient for me to get place to place. But then often when we talk about rail, we'll talk about it will never make its money back. And and of course, we don't have the same expectation from roads. Um, and, and so I, I think the way that we talk about our, um, our infrastructure uh, matters as well. The expectations that we, that we put on it and the way we legitimize getting around via different modes is, is really important to to allowing these things to be prioritized the same way as everything else. Yeah, yeah I mean, be. whenever I whenever I talk about transit, I always talk about all the other impact or benefits that it's going to provide. Like, hey, new lines opening up. It's going to provide service to a new area, new rail transit, going to expand upon a network, ancillary economic impacts. I, I mean, even if the line costs a lot, you know, it's still going to provide some sort of benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, any, any other thoughts on this you want to point out or share with us, Ethan? Um, not, I mean, at the, that's kind of, that's kind of what I wanted to bring up is that yeah. unfortunately we just view transit as an afterthought and don't really like to, you know, put it on the same priority as cars, yeah. especially when it comes to emergency repair. Yeah. I yeah. think at least in that respect, it'd be really nice to at least have everybody in North America experience the efficiency of Japanese trains. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we can have mm-hmm. the conversation because I feel yeah. like there's something missing there. Yeah. People haven't experienced yeah. it. They don't know how great it can be. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that is part of, um, that, that is part of what I'm talking about in my next video on the humane cities channel is, uh, is kind of having that education of a variety of modes of transportation and, uh, and why that matters. But speaking of education, Let's talk about development. So there is an area in Calgary called Glenmore Landing. I think I've brought it up on the on the show before. So I will share my screen here because I want everybody to see what uh, what I'm talking about. So this this development here 
is uh, this is Glenmore Landing. And it's a shopping area. It's got a Safeway there and a bunch of shops and some offices and banking and all that sort of stuff. It is adjacent to our reservoir, the Glenmore Reservoir. And uh, it's got some beautiful, this is a great outdoor museum I've talked about before. This is uh, Rocky View Hospital. And it also has this BRT, actually, that even bypasses the road. It goes under that um, separate right-of-way. It's fantastic. It's given, it's given some real Australia vibes with the VR, with the BRT. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a... Is it's it a, Melbourne that has it? I can't remember. Do, do they have a lot of BRT there, eh? Yeah, yeah. they're they're quite known for their grade separated BRT. I gotta remember which Australian city it is. I know we don't exactly have all the Australian viewers, but we're gonna take a field trip there, though. Uh, so stay tuned <laughs> for the live show in Australia, everybody. Also from uh, Brightline West, we're gonna do it on the train on the way to the Olympics. Um, but uh, yeah, it's also so. Not only is it adjacent to a BRT, it's also adjacent to our multi-use pathway system. This path will carry you all the way into downtown Calgary with almost no interaction on roads. You've got pretty decent routes that way. But uh, this is being talked about for redevelopment. So let me let me crack open uh, this picture here. So this is save our parks, stop the towers. So there was a lot of conversation against this development here. And uh, this is one of their advertisements. And they say save our parks. This is what it looks like. And their possible future, which I think a lot of people would look at this and be like, well, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I think that's interesting. Um, the park they're talking about is this land right here. Uh, this it's basically a boulevard. It's really like I have used part of their concern is they're worried. People are worried about this pathway. How will I, I use this pathway if I live in this neighborhood here? I need to use this pathway to get over here. Right. Is that all going to be gone with this new development? And uh, of course, this will be gone. But they the plan has like a main street running down the center and they're basically just moving the pathway, right? Um, but there were, of course, a lot of concerns about environmentalism and and such things. But people in this area, they organized against it really effectively. And, uh, and they, they got involved and they showed up to city council meetings. And one of the councillors brought up that 99.9% .9 of people who made public submissions were against the sale of this land, not even just the development, but the sale of this land to Rio Can, the owner of this property here. Yeah. So so just to put a little yeah. bit more context to those people who might just be listening, essentially, when you look at this from the air, it looks like basically a strip mall, right? Yeah. And then there's a clear zone beside a highway, essentially. It's a, it's yeah, a big, a busy fat road. strode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically a big clear zone. This is not a park. Yeah. This is not some kind of big this green space. It, it's a lawn. It's a town yeah. center. It's a mall. This is yeah. a, this yeah. is a mall. And, uh, and yeah, so they want to develop it into mixed use housing and add some walkability. And it's an ideal spot for this because it has the BRT right there and it has the multi-use pathway right there. But of course, the same concerns are brought up about parking, about can our, can our utility systems manage it? And I think the, uh, I think the city administration did a pretty decent job of addressing, um, addressing those concerns. And so today, while we were getting ready to record this podcast, I made Nick and Ethan tune in to a little bit of 
council and they actually passed this. Um, there will be a final hearing of it for uh, city council on January 30th. But uh, right now it, it is passed and it's looking like it's going through. Um, so I'm, I'm very optimistic about this development and it has, it has given me hope. Yeah, it's it's good to see it go that way, too, because I've mm-hmm. paid attention to a lot of city council meetings where the vast majority of people were, you know, wanted something to happen that was definitely going to be good. It was a progressive thing that got canned. And this seems yeah. to be in the opposite direction. We have a lot of NIMBYs coming in saying we don't want this development. And instead, the councillors went ahead with it. That's good. Yeah. At least yeah, for us. And, yeah. 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 And I, I think for the city broadly. Right. Um, obviously, like this is some this is something that I want, but it's not something I want in order to preserve my neighborhood. I used to live in this area for a little while. I frequented the area at various times throughout my life. Um, and I think it's really important to look forward and be a YIMBY, right? We, we use these words. We use NIMBY, not in my backyard, which often means somebody who says who who wants to build housing we want density we're okay with density we're happy to have density we're happy to have affordable housing just not in my area just please don't build it near me um and and i i think i try and i think a lot of people try especially in the urbanist space to be a yimby to say yeah like this does belong in my community my community needs a variety of amenities and services and things like that and I also, um, when we use the word NIMBY, I also kind of want to talk about not being like, um, not not using it to other people, right? Because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. people who bring up these concerns in city council, whether you feel they're legitimate or not, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, they feel they're legitimate. And you have to treat their concerns legitimately. You have to ask them about them. You have to talk to them about them. And they are members of your community. They're people who live next door to you. And just as much as you try to be tolerant of any other demographic or any other group of people who you might feel you are different from, I think people who oppose these things, you also have to try and work with them and, and talk to them and uh, and maybe even make a friend, you know? Uh, so that's kind of, that's my grandstanding on the on the nimby thing is is it's a useful word i think to describe the way some people talk about certain issues but just don't don't let it become like a derogatory thing absolutely no yeah having conversation with people because as soon as you you insult somebody and i know we're going to get into this conversation in the future much more deeply when talking about different uh, political directions that people like to go and shutting people out it's better to have that conversation instead of just naming somebody. They're just going to get defensive and they're not going to be able to open up to you. They don't want to hear what you have to say and it's just going to go nowhere. So yeah, yeah. you make yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm excited for this development. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add on to this or did I ramble enough for the three of us? Just want to say one thing here. When it eventually gets developed, because I'm optimistic, they're probably going to have to upgrade to an LRT line. Well, and that's that's actually another thing. So in uh, in one of the Reddit threads about this development, there have been several in one of the Reddit threads. Somebody said, uh, you know, the bus, the bus won't be able to handle it. You expect the, everybody to take the bus in this area while well, the bus can't handle it. It's like, OK, 
while the bus can handle more than the road, also you can just add another bus, right? Like just one more bus, bro. Um, and uh, yeah, and and if that still can't handle it, Calgary, we've talked about this on the show before. Calgary has the second busiest LRT system in North America. We move 62 million people every single year on our LRT. We're no strangers to LRTs and we know that they work here. Uh, if it is too much for the bus to handle, put in a train. Like yeah. that's it. You want to move people? Like put in a train. Yeah. I think the beautiful thing exactly. about that too is that you know, when it comes to induced demand, the problem with the commons, when you're on the road space and you want to drive somewhere, it only gets worse for everybody when people keep using it. But when it mm-hmm. comes to transit, this weird thing happens where the opposite happens. Now, yeah. a ton of people start using transit. It actually gets better for everybody because frequency increases. And yeah. that is that is the transit that I want to use. And that's the transit that I typically get to use most of the time here in Vancouver. It's pretty good. I don't look at t- the time of when, when the bus is coming. I just go there and I know that's going to be there within five to 10 minutes. It's not a big deal. But when yeah. you have to wait, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, that's it. It, it kind of sucks. And yeah. it's no wonder people aren't using it. Yeah. yeah um, had to wait 30 minutes for the bus or I have a 30 minute bus frequency near me. So my condolences. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And I can see why people don't take it. Yeah, yeah. 15, 15 is like the threshold, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. 15 is it's like, okay, well, you know, I can live with that, right? But once you once you get to 30, uh it's it, it gets to be rough, rough going. It's and like you, 15 is like I can I can deal with this. 20 is like uh, Yeah. Yikes. 30 is like this is awful. Yeah. Oh yeah, especially if you're on a connecting route and you get off the yes. bus and you see the bus go by and you're like, yes. oh, I gotta wait 30 minutes for the next one. Do you know what, oh. do you know what though? Oh, Shout God. out to transit <laughs> operators because they are so helpful. There have been several times where, and I, I have some footage of this sort of thing happening, where I'm coming into a like kind of bus loop where a bunch of buses stop, right? It's kind of more of a bus station and we're coming into it and I see the bus that I need turn on its left blinker and start to like pull out. And I walk up to the front and the bus driver says, you need that one, right? And I said, yes. Uh, Is there any way like the first time it happened, I'm like, "There is there any way you can like radio to them or something and like let them know that I I need that bus? Otherwise I'm waiting. It was late at night. So I would be waiting anyways. Um, And uh, and they just immediately, without hesitation, just honked on their horn as hard as they could (laughs) and as much as they could. And the bus stopped. And then I hopped I hopped off. I was like, thank you. And and then they said, thank, thank them. They they stopped and waited an (laughs) extra second. And I got on the bus. I'm like, thank you. But then now, actually, because they know that this schedule lines up just just barely. Right. Because they know that. They actually. Uh, know that I'm coming on like those specific days on my journey home from work. And so they they kind of expect, oh, Thursday, Alex will need to hop on hop on my bus. And so shout out to transit operators who pay attention to the transit users, to the people who are using their bus and and rely on their buses and uh, and try and make sure that, you know, they they work together to to get you home uh, safe and sound. So just uh, really like really appreciate every time it happens. I make it a little note because I track all my transportation. I'm like the bus waited for me, you know, like they did something <laughs> nice and it, it wasn't off schedule, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was just like that extra second that that uh, that manages to get you there. You know, yeah, and even if it's not some kind of 
special situation. Just thank the bus driver when you're hopping off. It's super yeah, easy. Exactly. Always. Thank you. And they yeah. they appreciate it. I'm sure yeah. they do. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And they always, there's a few bus drivers I have who always ask, how are you doing? And they're, you know, they're really considerate. They always, if they see uh, a more elderly person getting on the bus, who's maybe a little bit more frail, they're always more patient with starting to go. They always wait till they're seated in their, in their seat. Whereas when I get on, uh, you know, once I have my hand on a bar, they'll peel, peel out. But oh, they yeah, wait they, for they you to attention. have your hand on the bar? <laughs> as soon as I as soon as I scan my fare and turn the corner, caution: the bus is now in motion. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Do you get? Is there like a little a little thing that they say? Like a the the speaker will yeah new flyers really oh wow and yeah for Vegas RTC yeah oh that's cute otherwise like, you're going rolling know. down to the back of the I bus I think I think Muni might have that where they say it but yeah once the bus starts moving there's a little there's a little announcement that says caution the bus is now moving. Or the bus is now in motion. That's cute. Thank goodness you said something. I wouldn't have noticed as I'm falling <laughs> around the bus. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. I like that. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. San Francisco's is just, it's just, please hold on. And it'll repeat like seven times. Really? I know I know anybody who rides Muni can, yeah. can come and just like, please hold on. Please That's hold funny. on. <laughs> the only one we really get in in calgary on the on the train is please stand clear of the doors as this train is trying to depart and uh the other the other day after that announcement went a couple times uh because as as the doors closed on my train uh that i heard like some yelling outside and then uh and then this announcement came on a couple times and then the driver you know things are serious when the driver comes on the intercom and he says get on or off the train. And he says something, he's like, peace officers can be here in two minutes there, you know? And, um, and then after a threat of a ticket, a couple times we, uh, we got moving again, but, uh, yeah, that was entertaining. It was, you I do know, not want to hear happened. anything from the train driver. If no. you're hearing that, you're <laughs> <laughs> no bus driver, different story, train driver. You need to immediately. Yeah. yeah. Un- unless the speaker system, like the automated system is broken. Yeah, that would be fun, right? The the your next stop is Sunnyside Station. I would lo- I would love to do the train announcements. Actually, if it's from the <laughs> operator, it's. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Okay, usually sounding okay, a bit grumpy guys, too. You guys, every time when I was in the UK and I'm like traveling al- around by rail, and I get they have a different accent than me, but I feel like I can understand the English accent pretty well. But all I heard was. <laughs> and and I'm saying was that was that important? Like do they do they know that they're not being heard? Same thing with pilots. Like do they do they realize that we can't understand a thing that they're saying or are they just like rolling with it? I think they're doing it on purpose. It's kind of a, just an they, inside joke. They're doing it for fun. Right. They're yeah. like this information is not actually important. Please listen closely. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, you know, um, it kills me. We had uh, a special guest on our buses. I think even the Sky Train not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen. He what? recorded his voice really and did a bunch of announcements and stuff. And for a short while, he was the voice you heard on the bus. Really? Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vancouver! This is Seth Rogen. Yeah. 
That's funny. That's awesome. I actually love, I love that. And you know what? Vancouver, actually, you guys have like a lot of celebrities. You guys could have all of the science fiction TV show stars come on. You know, like you could have like Amanda Tapping from Stargate be like, hi, Vancouver. I'm Amanda Tapping and I'm going to be your voice today. You know, that would it's, be so- it's totally it's chill when celebrities yeah. do the announcements. But like. I remember seeing this thing in June where it was like they were playing like ads over the intercom at some stations in New York City and the entire urbanist community like flipped out on it. Yeah, I think and to be fair, for good reason. Yes. Like, I I don't think that it wasn't just the urbanist either. It was like it was like everybody in New York. Yeah, because it's not like it's not just that ads are obnoxious. It's it's also that when an announcement comes on over the intercom, you're supposed to listen but if you get used to just hearing ads over the intercom, then you just tune out the whole thing. Yeah. Right. It's a transit system exactly. that cried wolf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, <laughs> great way of putting it. Uh, yeah. Well, I've loved this little <laughs> diversion onto, uh, onto transit conversations, but I think we should get to some ethical uh, boundaries that we need to set or something, yeah. whatever Nick's about to talk about. Yeah. This is something I wanted to talk about for a while. And it's, it's something I think about on the regular when I'm out in the streets and it's, what I just learned this word today, narc urbanism, and I thought that was fantastic. So this is another New York thing. I think I've talked about New York for the past three episodes. I love New York. Like I can't honestly favorite city in the, in the United States, favorite city in North America. Maybe it's like up there. Really? It's definitely I top three. Shirt. <laughs> I love New York. I would wear that shirt. I bought a mug for my wife when I went last time. She uses it all the time. So she loves New York too. It's great. Anyway, this is about bounties. So I'm sure many people have seen the video from Casey Neistat. He's mm-hmm. a YouTuber, a vlogger, kind of a, a mainstay in the vlogging community on YouTube for sure. And he had a video a while ago where he was talking about bike bike lane bounties. Essentially, he was riding his bike in the bike lane. There was a car blocking the bike lane. He had to divert into the street to get around this car. And he got a ticket for not staying in the bike lane, which is actually not a thing. It was not a thing. Like that was, you, you can ride in the road. But anyway, he got this ticket. And the police officer said, you have to use the bike lane. And he's like, okay. So then he just rode around, basically running to the back of cars, running into signs as a joke of people parked in the bike lane and talked about. This is an iconic video. Oh, it's like 10 plus years old. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically said that you could set up this bounty system where you can make a ton of money just, you know, riding in all these people who are parked in the bike lane. And lo and behold, New York went ahead and sort of did it. They they mm-hmm. they they planned on doing it. So they've done a few things. So I'm going to start pedal back a little bit. I think this is back in 2015 and they induced induced introduced an idling bounty system and this still exists right now where you can call in and this is just for big trucks actual work vehicles that are stopped idling. If they're idling for 3 minutes or more and nobody's in the vehicle, they have all these qualifications to actually get it through. But if that happens, you can get 25% of that bounty. And I, I can't remember what the price is. I think it might be $75 you'll get at the end of it. And people mm-hmm. have made quite a lot of money sending these videos in of these trucks idling for three or more minute, minutes, which is a thing. But conversely, there was a problem because NYPD basically stopped ticketing private vehicles. They had like, mm. in 2015, they had like 5,000 citations. And then five years later, they had like 40. Like interesting, like completely dried wow. up. Uh, but that's one part of it. Back to the bike lane thing. So this is another one that they have introduced. Uh, 
But what they did was they changed the provisions that they originally set out and there's no longer a bounty system. So they did introduce this. I think it was in March of last year. So you can call in things that are in the bike lane, whether, whether it's vehicles or trash or whatever, and you can call that in. However, you will not get the money for that specific citation. No mm. bounty, like 25, not the 25%, mm. nothing like that, which is, is what it is, what it is. So I just want yeah. to bring this up to talk about it. Like, what do you guys think about this? So this is one thing I'm going to say right off the bat for me. I think this is a great idea. Even if there wasn't a bounty, if there wasn't money involved with it, I think it's a good idea. I think this is great. For example, here in BC, BC is idle free. This is a law in BC. It's the same thing anywhere in BC. If you're idling for more than three minutes, that considered breaking the law. Did they hand out tickets for that? I highly doubt it. Anyway, mm-hmm. let me know what you guys think. So there is this really good account on um, on Instagram called Bike Lane Uprising. And their whole thing was they pretty much started an app to report bike lane blockages anywhere. I think it was any North American city, but they're based out of Chicago. So most of their reports were coming in from Chicago. And I don't know specifically. I haven't talked with them specifically on the details of the app. It's a really good one. I would check out Bike Lane Uprising. They're a really great creator with a good app. But I don't know if they actually report that to local, you know, law enforcement. Along with this as well for New York City, they also, they're well known for the bus lane reporting too, and um, how their buses actually have cameras on them. Yeah, I love that. And they animated, they love, the MTA loves to animate these little GIFs where it's like a car's blocking the bus lane, and then the bus will come by and literally like eviscerate, like straight up, like turn it into nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have seen those videos. Those are pretty amusing. Um, uh, I don't know how I feel about the bounty thing. Um, and I mean, here, okay. I'm a fan of, le- like, I'm a fan of, like, getting the city the information that it needs and also making sure uh, people can get around safely and securely regardless of what mode they're choosing to use. Obviously the best solution is separated infrastructure so that cars can't get on to the bike lane in the first place. Um, But also I don't know. I don't know. I, I have weird feelings about the idea of having a bounty for it. And uh, I, I feel like I would need to see more, uh, more information about like how it works and if it's effective, if it's actually mm-hmm. like making a, dis- mm-hmm. a difference or if it's like vigilante justice, you know, I, I would want to learn a little bit more about it before I, before I had an opinion. Totally. totally. And I think they have a lot of yeah. rules around this when it comes mm-hmm. to reporting, for example, the bike lane thing, I believe there's a, like an instructional video you have to watch before you can report anything. Mm-hmm. And for example, the mm-hmm. idling one, like I said before, it has to be an empty vehicle to prevent right. confrontation because they don't want that to be a thing. Yeah. So there's those mm-hmm. different things that that help with that to make it less disruptive maybe, or again, confrontational to cause these big problems. They want people getting shot over this. And that's always yeah. something I always forget. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching a video, this was about the San Francisco center running bike lane in Valencia. And they were doing this, this thing where they were diverting bicyclists around parked cars in the bike lane. That's kind of a protest. It was called like a just a minute, just they'll just be just a minute. So they, they basically use their bodies as, as pylons. So the cyclists could go safely around the car that's parked in the bike lane. And they went to talk to somebody Mm -hmm. who the bylaw officer in San Francisco, and he was hesitant 
to confront drivers who were in the bike lane. And his worry was that they might have, he does he said, I don't know if they're packing. And I was just like, oh right. my God, like, I didn't even yeah. think of that. It didn't come to my mind. <laughs> like, oh my God. So that could be, a, you know, what is that? Are we going to have, oh yes, we have less people in the bike lane, but now we have uh, murders are going up from, you know, road rage confrontations, essentially thing like that. That's right. I just problem. love how cars encourage great interactions with the community. <laughs> <laughs> Very it's healthy people. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. crazy. Everybody loves to drive until, you know, something's in your way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my stance is pretty clear. I think it, it could be a good idea with certain provisions around it. In yeah. general, we need more enforcement. But most importantly, we just need good infrastructure. Like a lot of this yeah. has to do with just gutter bike lanes, parking, you know, door, like the doors yeah. on bike lanes. Like these are just terrible infrastructure yeah. for cyclists in the first place, for the most part, that drivers can actually get into. Yeah. But the idling one, oh, man, that one's that's definitely uh, what grinds my gear in the future. I'll really get into, I take video all the time of people idling just so I can save it for later. Cause I know I'm going to use yeah. it for some kind of video in the future. Yeah. Oh man. It make it just, especially in here in Vancouver, it'd be like 15 degrees and someone's sitting in their car on their phone. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, yeah. just, you're wasting your own gas. Just fuck. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not that hard to shut off your car and start it back up again. Yeah. Totally. No, you know, it's not. Yeah. Just, well, what just, about the starter? I don't want to hurt the starter. The starters, the starters can be fine. It's it's, be fine. it's designed to start your <laughs> yes. car. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god. No. You'll be fine. Yeah. Oh man. It's even yeah, more I, acceptable with battery cars because now you have you know an even more finite range with less charging stations. Yeah. 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 yeah the, it will. Uh, it will be interesting i'll uh, i'll say i'll say that that that'll be something interesting to see as we get more and more electric cars what's that nick so uh, i just have one more thing to say about this whole bounty thing and this is what the video that actually spawned, spurred me to to bring this up on the podcast is this video i saw on the micromobility new york city subreddit that somebody shared i'm sharing right now and essentially there was a bust <laughs> That was blocked. I think this is in Brooklyn, maybe. So there's a bus that was blocked from turning because of a parked car that was too close to the mm -hmm. edge of the curb or to the close, too close to the intersection. So the bus couldn't turn. So a bunch of citizens literally lifted the front of this car <laughs> and moved it out of the way so the bus could turn. That is yeah. that is teamwork right there. That is community then, coming together for the greater greater good. And yeah, that's what I was like, we need, yeah, we need an actual... <laughs> bounty system for stuff like this where like somebody's blocking a bus full of people from getting to where they need to go like easy ticket just like take a picture send it to the city they're like okay like yeah. it, it shouldn't be that hard and and when they finished they said and that's how we do it in new york yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm walking here i'm walking here hey i'm trying to walk here uh, <laughs> um but no, yeah, I, I think that's that's excellent. And I've seen it many, many times where somebody is parked where they shouldn't be. And I mentioned that even in my in my most recent video where somebody was parked in front of uh, a curb ramp uh, mm. that, you know, blocking blocking strollers. And um, I mean, somebody with a stroller maybe has the mobility to kind of get it off and down the curb in a weird way and, you know, maneuver themselves around. But if you're bound to a wheelchair, Suddenly, your your path is just totally blocked. So I think it's really important that we build the environment, right? That this instance of this person who had to have their car picked up and moved over because they were parked too close to the intersection, uh, that could have been solved just by having one of those 
extended curbs by having a bulb on yep. the edge of mm-hmm. that uh, on the edge of that sidewalk, prevent making it so that you cannot park there. Not yeah. so that you're not supposed to park there, but so that you cannot park there, uh, so that everything else can flow flow well. Right. And there's quick and cheap solutions to that, right? Even those yep. soft hit posts are a great way to stop people from parking in those areas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we see see those to an uh, extent. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> to an you know, you, you can you can put down concrete barriers too, right? Like you can there there are options. Uh, there are things yeah, that you, you got, can you do. You got your fair share. Yeah, yeah. But uh, with that, let's get on to some listener mail, and uh, Ethan's going to drop us a beat here uh, for our listener mail intro. Ethan, do you want to drop us a beat? <laughs> drop us a beat. You're asking oh. me to drop a. <laughs> Ethan, I just I just like looked at our cast of characters here, and I was like, if anybody can drop us a beat, it's Ethan. Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> I'll 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 do it. Ba-doom, boom, ba-doom, boom. <laughs> Listener mail on Radio Free Urbanism. Wow, well, that was just a great an opportunity. Intro. You just wanted to do that. You had this prepared, didn't you? <laughs> I just I just wanted to put Ethan on the spot so that he said like, no, I won't do it, and then I was like, yeah. uh, I'll be the hero. <laughs> I'll yeah. be the hero. <laughs> set yourself up. I like that. I set my. I, I respect that. Yeah. Incredible. You know. What? Now we have. Now we have an audio clip for the transition <laughs> into listener mail. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's true. We do. Our first listener mail is from the delightful and wonderful Halls Emporium Jen Hall, uh, frequent listener. She's been with us from the very beginning, uh, all the way back in 2023, and she says. <laughs> On the note of pedestrianized spaces from this episode, a perfect example of how much people enjoy pedestrianized spaces is how much they'll pay to be in manufactured pedestrianized spaces, a.k.a. amusement parks, points at self. And if you know Jen, you know she'd do it in like a really cute, awesome way. Uh, To then spend more money within the parks, it's one of the things that makes me return to Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California, Cars and horse carts that only go five kilometers or three miles per hour at best. A train that circles the perimeter of the park and places to sit, shop, eat, scattered everywhere. So many people don't realize their home neighborhoods could be designed the same way, minus the rides, or I mean, plus the rides, and their property taxes are the entrance fee instead. Could you imagine? Uh, I did editorialize that a little bit because, I mean, why not put a roller coaster on your street? Have the roller coaster tycoon music playing as you walk out your front door and the screams of happy (laughs) riders. You know, and the giggles. Yeah, hearing the giggles and then the little notification sound. The such and such customer is lost and cannot find the park exit. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to leave them there. Uh, wandering around the <laughs> In a circles of a roller coaster. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a great comment and a great point. You guys got some thoughts on pedestrianized spaces? Yeah, this is something that gets bring, brought up all the time, I think. Especially if you go on Reddit, if you go on Fuck Cars or uh, Suburban Hell or Urbanism, whatever. This is always brought up that people love to go to places that are walkable. They love mm-hmm. to go there, even though they don't live there. Oh, we can't have that here. They go, like Jen says, to Anaheim, to Disneyland or to Florida, any kind of amusement park. They go to Europe, experience the walkability that's there and to say, this is awesome. But they mm-hmm. don't 
doesn't really cross that thre- threshold that that can be in their own backyard. That can be where they live. That can, yeah. it can happen. It's not like, yeah. oh, this can't happen. It can happen. Mm-hmm. You can make that happen. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it's so funny. I lived in a small, major tourist town in Florida, and the main claim to fame to it was our one pedestrian street. Mm-hmm. One. One street that was pedestrianized. Main yeah. claim to fame. Yeah. And you're just like, we could have this in every single city in this state. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as, and you know, it would still be wonderful, but everybody would have access to this rather than just having one small example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Just make creating these pleasant spaces to be, right? We travel to Europe. We spend thousands of dollars to go somewhere else to experience these walkable streets. And then we come home and we tell our friends, oh, I went to Barcelona. It was it was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, like why, why don't we do that here? Uh, it was interesting. When I was in the Netherlands last year, I, I went uh, to... You know, every every town we were staying in a small town in the south. I say small town. It was 50,000 people. Um, we're staying there and they've got tons of walkable streets in in the town center. And uh, and everybody was enjoying them. Everybody that I was with uh, was, wow, this is wonderful. I really I really enjoy this. And as as we're biking along on our rented bikes and I say, you know, we could do this at home, too. And they're like, no, no, we couldn't. And I'm like. Uh, yes, yes, we can. Like it's it's really, guys. This isn't rocket science, right? But, like we can do this. Yeah. Okay. So to the people who are just listening, Alex was actually moving his body as if he was pedaling a bike. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. Do you know what? He's I actually this... on a Peloton right now. I everybody am... who's only listening to audio, I'm always pedaling. Um, <laughs> I actually, I the stool I sit on it, it like wobbles a little bit. I can, so it uh, it's perfect. It's perfect for pretending I'm cycling because that's all I think about <laughs> is bicycles. Um, we all have such different setups. It's going to eventually have to be on like a shorts or like our social media of just showing off all of our different setups. Do you know what? That that would kind of be interesting to because I always wonder, you know, what do people think is in this box? You know, <gasps> what's 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 in that box? And now that I've started the mystery, I'll kind of sit in front of it a little bit and we can think about that uh, for the rest of the show um yeah Mm. but pedestrianized spaces we can we can do that we've talked before about how vancouver has none uh nick do you have any recommendations or what is this pointing did something happen okay there's no pedestrianized streets there are more pedestrianized areas. A lot of Vancouver is very pedestrianized. You can walk a lot of places. Like we talked yeah. about the walk score. My neighborhood is very walkable. I walk to most places that I go. And there was something that happened recently. So after uh, City Nerd, Ray released that video about places that should be car free. And he was talking about Pike Place. I plan on making a video somewhere in the future, probably in the summer about Granville Island and what can be changed. But I went to do some filming there on the weekend, which is a relatively walkable place when when you get there, but it is full of cars and it has tons of parking. It's insane how much parking. So when you actually get there, underneath the Granville Bridge, there's a big sign. It's a Granville Island, and there's two boardwalks on either side. And that's for pedestrians to walk on, and then there's four lanes for traffic, including bicycles. So I turned on my my chest GoPro to just be like, oh, if you bike here, you have to share the road with cars or you walk on the boardwalk with pedestrians. That's the only way to get on the island if you're a cyclist. Mm-hmm. 
And lo and behold, I posted this on my Instagram. I'm just riding down. It's a 30 kilometer little street in a tight turn into a pedestrian space. Really should be really slow. I get almost sideswiped by a BMW who just comes right in front of me and slams on the brakes. And I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, why is that necessary? And it was, but it, obviously I was slightly glad to just highlight on how this should be a more pedestrianized space. Cause it was just fucking stupid. Like why are so many cars here anyway? Yeah. That's my little rant there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate your rant and I validate your feelings. <laughs> but go to Granville Island why still. There, it's a great, it is a great place to go. Why are so many cars there is a question I have every single day. Yeah. That's actually, Ethan only thinks about Granville Island. Yeah, that's exactly. All, that <laughs> only consumes Granville all Island. his thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I about only me? think of British Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? It's beautiful British Columbia, you know. Uh, Ethan... What about Vegas? I know like Vegas has the strip, but there, you know, I've been there and there's a lot of car traffic still. Yes. Um, so pretty much every every major thoroughfare, because Vegas has a pretty constant grid throughout the entire city, which is something that surprisingly a lot of North American cities just kind of lose once, you know, you get towards the edge because, you know, suburban sprawl. But Vegas has maintained its grid pretty well throughout the city. And unfortunately, a lot of its thoroughfares are just, you can't widen them anymore. You're you're at capacity for it. Like, if you get any wider, you start getting 12-lane, 14-lane strodes, and there's already a ton of surface parking. So at this point, I mean, Vegas is just one of those cities where you're like, oh, we've reached capacity on cars, and there's we're really limited on where we can sprawl to. Because we have huge mountains in the east, or I mean, huge mountains in the west, not so big mountains in the east, but still mountains. Yeah. We're starting to build into the mountains in the south, which is not exactly the greatest plan. And then the only real area you can sprawl without mountains is north. But then once you go far enough north, you start running into military land. So really, realistically, you've kind of capacity on cars because all of Vegas is pretty much just car-dependent infrastructure. So the city is going to have to adapt in some sort of way. Yeah. Yeah, and the interesting thing about cars, we mentioned this earlier. Um, uh, Nick brought it up how with cars, you you get to a capacity. The more people using that infrastructure, the worse it is for everybody, right? Regardless of how many lanes you build, no matter how many bridges you make, right? It's going to get worse for everybody. Whereas transit, the more people that use it, the better it is for everybody because you get higher frequency, better speeds, more routes, all these other sort of sort of things. One thing that uh, my city councilor, Councilor Penner, brought up in uh, the city council meeting today, uh, she brought up that the car traffic in this area where they were talking about this development, it's not just going to increase because of more development in the area. It's going to increase because of more development outside the area. So when we continue to sprawl and we expect that we're going to keep the density in these specific areas and these specific areas are going to be the places where everybody wants to get to, you have no choice but to create more sustainable and efficient modes of transportation because you can only get so many people into downtown. If you keep sprawling, you're going at some point. It's going to break. At some point, you're going to have to say, 
we need to build a second downtown. We need to do something else here because this is not working. Mm. And mm-hmm. that does work, though. That does work. And I remember listening to a podcast. I think it was Vancouver Urbanism. They had somebody on who used to work for TransLink. They were an urban planner for TransLink. And they were talking about the North Shore in Vancouver. So if you're not familiar with Vancouver, Vancouver's on the south part of the lower mainland in BC. And the North Shore, obviously, is the North Shore Mountains. And then there's people live along the mountains there. And before it really developed on the North Shore, a lot of people were coming across the bridges. There's the Second Narrows Bridge, Ironworkers Bridge, and the Lionsgate Bridge that comes into downtown. And a fact that I learned from that podcast was that the traffic over the bridges peaked 20 years ago. And the big reason for that is because of the development that happened on the North Shore. People had stuff that they could go to locally. They didn't have to come to Vancouver to get the things they needed. And that's right. a big part of having those those communities where you yeah. have things closer to you. It prevents people from making these long journeys that are completely unnecessary. Yeah. Send traffic going mm-hmm. in the other direction, yeah. right? Balance it out a little, provide other options um, because there are, there are limits. Mm-hmm. No matter, you know, no matter how many clover leaves you put on the road, uh, their their limits. No matter um, how many diamond interchanges you make. <laughs> hey, you know, actually, Calgary has a diverging diamond interchange, um, and it's kind of interesting. It's the first one in Canada. I don't know if they've done more since, they're, but they're getting it's pretty cr- popular now. It's it's creative. It's interesting. Um, creative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a Ethan. term. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> that's a term for it. Yeah. Not exactly the best <laughs> for pedestrians, but you know. No. No. But uh, we have our next piece of fan mail, though. Yes. Take it away. So let's jump into it. So this is from uh, Ben Serzer 7966, and they commented on our last video. Another national park that's served by rail is the New River Gorge National Park in West Virginia. And actually, I went right past there. I took um, Amtrak's route that goes right by it. It's called the Cardinal And it's the only, actually, it's not the only train that runs through West Virginia, but this one actually does run through New River Gorge. And it is, it's a really pretty train, I have to say. It's probably the best views for any East Coast Amtrak train. And I highly recommend it. So, yeah, it, it, it's really nice. It, the train itself is a little weird. It's kind of Amtrak's, I'd, I'd like to say it's Amtrak's redheaded stepchild of <laughs> its inner city routes, or I mean, yeah. of its long distance routes. But yeah, it runs three days, or it runs three days a week. Um, it runs from Chicago to New York. It's a little bit longer than the other ways between Chicago to New York, but the views on it are pretty great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that. I love that there's a there's another one that we miss. This is the thing, guys. We we could talk about this stuff. There's a reason that I always just talk about Calgary things is because that's what I know. Like we need people to send in uh, send in other stuff from other places so that we can hear what's going on there. Uh, send us an email. You can send that to radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com to make sure that we hear and talk about what's going on in your area because we know that there's more to the world than Calgary, Vancouver, and Vegas. Uh, believe it or not. There uh, is. I know. Let us it know. It comes as a shock to those of us on the show. But uh, yeah, so s- send that in. Nick, if you want to take us to the next one here. Yeah, this is on our YouTube channel again. This is from Austin Serson. He says, I'm getting really excited about Train Daddy and Amtrak's future. I really want Via to come out with a proposed expansion of all the markets they could serve, but that assumes Via will ever get out of the Stone Ages with their procedures and inefficiencies. I saw a video recently about Via could have true high-speed rail, but Ottawa, oh, between Ottawa and Montreal with their current budget for HFR, I think, 
uh, what Via should have done. That's in quotes by Paige Saunders. Interesting. I'll have to check out that video. I didn't yeah. actually know that. Interesting. This is really cool. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Via a little bit. Uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago. I'm not sure. We were just talking about that corridor that between Windsor and Quebec City and the opportunities that exist, not only there, but in a lot of places in Canada, but especially between Toronto and Quebec City, like that whole corridor just there. You could forget southwestern Ontario and London and Windsor and those areas. Yeah. Like it's the mm-hmm. opportunity is unbelievable. And again, like yep. we talked about with uh, um, Calgary and Edmonton, like Ethan said, what, what better city pair do you have in Canada for, for trains? Yeah. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like we, we talk about stuff in Vancouver and Calgary, but you got to remember like BC and Alberta where Nick and I live has like so few people compared to what's going on in that whole little strip in that basically straight line between Windsor and Quebec city. So many people live there. Most Canadians live there, I, I believe. Um, and so as much as we talk about, you know, Hey, you know, Vancouver could do this or Calgary could do this. Why don't we try that? Like that area of Canada, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's absolute nonsense. Like it's criminal that uh that more hasn't happened yeah. and we go international like, right after yeah. that head start head yeah. down to buffalo rochester all yep. the way to new york city would be just amazing there's just yeah. such a perfect straight line that you could do for high speed rail between quebec city and chicago it would be insane oh yeah, yeah absolutely that would be amazing you get detroit you go all the way up to milwaukee <laughs> gotta do a little wrap around around the lake yeah <laughs> oh that'd be yeah. incredible Oh. Actually, on stream, I was doing a few weeks ago. I was doing a, a a live stream, and I was playing NIMBY Rails. If you guys know what that is, no, it, it's this game that essentially uses like real world data to allow you to build like different transit lines and stuff like that. And I had personally imbibed a few beverages, and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck it, I'm building a tunnel between Milwaukee and Detroit." And so I just <laughs> in the game, I just straight up dug a tunnel underneath the middle of Lake Michigan. <laughs> to connect Detroit and Milwaukee by high-speed rail. Oh, that, that's what I that, do when I play City Skylines. I just make the most ridiculous lines, like yeah. <laughs> way deep under the water and stuff. <laughs> so satisfying. Because why not? Yeah. You know? It's got like a 25% incline for a train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's literally a roller coaster. You got a cable car in uh, there. I I have something to share, actually. Since, since we're on Austin's comment here, uh, he actually texted me while we were recording the show here. Uh, he sent me he sent me a picture. Um, <laughs> dystopian images of the day. Michigan Theater in Detroit, where they turned it into parking instead of keeping it as an arts venue. God, that's this terrible. is a real yeah, place. So for yep. for listeners, what what you're what you're missing here, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see this. There is a beautiful historic building um, that has just been turned into a multi-tiered parking lot, a parkade. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of dystopian, but in a weird way, I appreciate the art value of this absolute oh, nonsense. That is the, the um, problem. The problem with this is that it was unlikely that this theater would have been saved. It's likely it probably would have been destroyed. Detroit really went through. Yeah. I, it really took a beating on deindustrialization and then the recession didn't do it any favors. So it's no, it's a city that's been through the ringer and downtown has definitely seen a revival, but I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, a, a signature of how Detroit really kind of 
has fallen from grace. Yeah, this, yeah. this is in Detroit or Ann Arbor? Detroit. Uh, okay. From Detroit. the looks of it, right? It uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah Detroit. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it's been that way for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah, sad. So that's Michigan, Michigan theater. Um, I believe Detroit was in one of the top five biggest cities in the U.S. Detroit and Cleveland were both in the top five at one point. They've yeah. lost more than half of their population. It's kind of, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I used to spend some time in Detroit. I used to live in Southern Ontario, not far from there, near Windsor. So if we wanted to go to, you know, the big place, go to a zoo or something, we'd go across the border and go to Detroit. And it, it, it's interesting to see how it's changed because I remember going there when I was younger and the whole city, the core was just hollowed out. And it still is in a certain way, but they've really developed that certain area around the sports complexes with the new hockey arena, Comerica Park. And that that area is nice. It's like this little cute, like a walkable place with lots of things to do. But outside of that, yeah, it's still very dire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I There's guess that one park right in downtown that's really nice from everything I've seen. It's like right where the Q line kind of ends. For those who don't know, the Q line is the streetcar that Detroit has. Hmm. I can't remember yeah. the name of it, but it, it's really nice. It's kind of like their central, like main, like green space for the downtown area. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't yes. seen it. So I, I'll I, have to look it up. Yeah. This is kind of part of the point of building more sustainable cities um, because there is growth and there there is uh, shrinking as as well um so you want to be able to to create a space that will continue to hopefully be be beautiful now also Um, building a ring of highways around downtown didn't exactly help either no no it's a big moat it's crazy yeah yeah spaghetti bowl like we were talking about about milwaukee last week and that what was it seven seven something seven eighteen i can't remember the number of that highway yeah yeah, seven nine four or seven eight yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, seven ninety four. Seven ninety four. Yeah, we got there. Just, we got there. Just blow it up. Just blow them all up. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, it. guys. I gotta, I gotta share this and I gotta share this in the stream here. Give me one second. What's he got? What's it gonna be? Can we guess? Oh, it's gonna be something blowing up for sure. Explosions. Oh yeah, it's a hundred percent gonna be explosions. So here's so. the here's the downtown park. Street, this is the but. this is the dense mixed use walkable urbanism that we're missing in North America. That's disgusting. Yeah. Who would want to live there? Yeah, no that one. looks exciting and fun. <laughs> where where is this? What is this? <laughs> this is Detroit. Really? Wow. It's oh, yeah. Can I you think describe it for our listeners. So for our viewers, um, I believe that the name of this park is pronounced Campus Meritus Park. It's in the center of downtown Detroit. And from this view, it looks like it's some sort of like winter festival with a bunch of um, lights. And I believe there's a little Christmas market there, too. But yeah, it's it's a they basically pedestrianized the whole area for this event. It's just it's really what you want your city to look like. Yeah. Yeah. It looks lovely. Yeah. I was being sarcastic earlier. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, we uh, we better keep going. Uh, and we better move on to some wug mug. We've we've complained about a few things in here, but Nick's Nick's got one that sounds a little personal. Yeah, a little bit. So, uh, am I the only one who's who's done the what grinds my gears? Uh, no, I think I we've taken our turns. Okay, maybe. maybe. Yeah, we've kind of. We may have not have called it wug mug, but it's definitely like we've definitely taken yeah. out our frustrations on it. So I think a lot of my list of what grinds my gears is usually from comments I get on social media or my YouTube channel. Anyways, what grinds my gears is people telling me to grow up and buy a car because a, I have a car, 
But besides that, is it really is it really responsible? Is it really grown up to spend ten thousand dollars a year on transportation <laughs> when you don't have to? A bicycle yeah. can't cost more than a thousand dollars a year. Even transit passes here in Vancouver, I think anywhere from twelve hundred to twenty two hundred dollars unlimited riding on TransLink. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. So is it really that responsible and grown up to do that? To buy a car. I think I think maybe not. I think that's the wrong thing to do if you really yeah. want to be a responsible adult. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Something that nope. ruins your own community, that pollutes the air for everybody, including yourself. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And no, and it's, it's you always... shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. Car profile picture on Instagram means <sighs> that you are going to see the worst comment you've ever seen in your entire God. life. Uh, yeah. Never take it personally. I just I, I got to say, I really appreciate the people who go into my comment sections and I'll see them like on the same video weeks after it's been posted. I'll keep saying the same person responding like kind of in defense of our cause, the urbanist caused and the things that we care about and people who just post the same fallacies over and over. I just like, thank you so much for like doing that. Cause uh, sometimes I get into it. I'm like, no, just don't just like, don't, it's not even worth it. Just put that energy into new content. That's gotta, the way to spread say, it. But man, I just sometimes copy paste. Who, yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. The people who go in my comments and just, or any of our comments and just, you know, say the most ridiculous flaws, like get a car, grow up, you know, mm-hmm. My my favorite thing is just giving them I know you guys might be better than this, but I'm not. I always give them the pin of shame because I know that there's plenty of reasonable people who understand. <laughs> and I know that these people are never going to be saved. So yeah. what you do is you just simply give them the pin of shame and just pin them in your comments and then just, you know, see your your, your normal lovely viewers tear them to shreds. Yeah. And, you know, people who happen upon these comments will see, you know, plenty of statistical arguing from you are wonderful followers and, you know, we'll be like, hmm, maybe, maybe getting a car isn't the most mature or smart financial decision. Yeah, that's a good point. But also, you know, we have to take consideration, like Alex was talking about earlier, earlier about not just throwing people under the bus and being, being <laughs> super pissed off and letting your rage flow. I'd really try not to let that happen because again, it just makes people defensive. I usually try to say, just be really reasonable. Like, for example, one of my videos is about uh, light timings here in Vancouver with the cycle lanes not letting you the green wave at all. It's you get the red wave, red red light after red light, and a lot of people always say, "Well, if we if we prioritize bikes over cars, isn't that just going to cause more emissions if you make cars wait?" And it's like, well, actually, it's more complex than that because if you keep prioritizing cars, more people are going to drive because it's easier to drive, and they don't maybe they don't know that extra step. Maybe they haven't thought about it that deeply. Yeah, so you do have to share it too. But at the same time, you tell me to grow up and buy a car. I tell you to shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a non it's a disingenuous way of responding. Yeah. And again, again, what I meant to say was a callback to what you were saying, Alex, about the delegitimization de- 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 of other types of non auto based transportation. Yeah, and that's exactly just part of it. Saying telling people that you're not an adult if you don't buy a, a car or if you're on a bicycle that's just a, something you're doing for recreation it's a toy you're doing that for fun it has nothing to do about where you're going on your daily rides like like it's just so weird it just seems so strange to me and i kind of want to talk about and i'll talk more about this in the future but i remember horace Dedu talking about this he's the guy who founded micromobility io about when you finally really dig into this stuff you start to come to the per the perspective that it's not that 
micromobility is this weird thing on the outside. It's not that public transportation is this weird thing on the outside. You start to realize that cars are the weird thing in our community. And that that's the thing we need to start unbundling to be more efficient. It's mm-hmm. So I think it's the Overton window shifting and we'll get there. It's going to take time. But uh, yeah, I don't even know where I was going with this. I just wanted to say, this, these are legitimate ways to get around. Like, what's yeah. the difference between me driving five kilometers to the grocery store versus on my bike? I still got there. Yeah. But, right? You're just going somewhere. But yeah. now you can't haul 90 gallons of milk home. So <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. You probably can though, with, with a box bike. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, um, I, had, I had a thing to say. Um, and now it's, and now it's gone, but I, uh, It'll come yeah, back next it is, episode. Y- maybe, it, <laughs> you know, it, it might, but it is, it is really frustrating. Um, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. You can't have productive conversations over the internet. It's very, it's very difficult. Uh, it takes a lot of energy to type out a comment in a way that you will hopefully not be misunderstood, right? It's difficult to get across your tone. Or if you're communicating in a language that is not your first language, it can be hard to make sure your language is precise as you would like it to be. Uh, whereas I, I try and imagine that most of the people who comment nasty things on my YouTube channel, uh, like skill issue, or I don't know how people like you survive. Um, I like to imagine that I would be able to like make jokes with them in real life, right? That if I met this person in real life, I would be able to laugh it off and say to them like, well, actually, it's not as hard as you think and and have that conversation with them and maybe invite them to come on a bike ride with me where I can show them uh, how I do get around or maybe ride the bus with me and show them how I do get around. Uh, so I, I try and remember this is the Internet. People will are, people are making a lot of assumptions about me based solely on what I post on the Internet. They've never been in the kitchen with me while I'm making dinner or while I'm doing some meal prep. They've never walked down the street to get the mail with me and just had a casual conversation. They've never passed me on the sidewalk and I've just said a casual hello. And then they say, oh, actually, did you know that's Jupiter up there? Right. Like they've never had those like very casual, just normal human interactions with me. So they're making assumptions about me based on the content that I'm putting on the Internet, which includes my YouTube videos. And uh, of course, of course, they're going to make assumptions about me. And of course, I'm going to make assumptions right back. So when I get comments like that, I try and just go outside and touch some grass and remember that I like my neighbors and I like the people that I see in real life. And that's fine. That's good. I like that. Nice. Thanks. Thanks. There's my there's my second grandstand of the episode. What a lovely no. what a lovely wholesome grandstand. Huh? <laughs> it's it's really good perspective because I feel like if there was, you know, three of us who were definitely not in that direction, we'd just be spiraling into shitting on people all day. So I yeah, respect which, it. I appreciate it. I'm not saying I don't like shitting on yeah. people. <laughs> Yo, okay. Yeah. Let's let's be clear. I love <laughs> gossip and I don't think gossip is bad. Um <laughs> But uh, but that's a conversation for a different podcast, I think. Uh, we've or a got, future after show, people. Or if yeah, future after show. You know, you could support the show. We we might set up a Patreon at some point here. Um, but uh, we've got some recommendations. Who's who's uh, this is me. Who's got so some recommendations? One, one last thing, and this is in the vein of what Alex often likes to share at the end of a show is something positive. Uh, 
And this is something I just saw on Twitter. Somebody had posted this. They were talking about something completely unrelated to urbanism. But they said, remember, you might not be able to change the world, but you can change the world around you. And I think that's a really important thing, especially when you're talking about politics, especially when you're talking about the community you live in, because a lot of people will talk about federal politics and how it doesn't matter. And you can go vote. It won't make a difference. Maybe, maybe not. But where you can absolutely make a difference is in your local community. So get out there. If you want change to happen, you can you can literally be a part of that change. Mm -hmm. Go out, go out there and do it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nick. Get to Uh, it, people. Yeah. Ethan, do you have any recommendations? And as we close out, plug plug your own stuff. Tell us where we can find you as well. All right, everybody. So you can always find me at Climate and Transit on pretty much every social platform or Climate Transit on Twitter. That handle was somehow taken before me. But I will have a video next Friday. This Friday, I'm taking a little time off. But next Friday, I will have a video. It's going to be one of my longest yet. So stay tuned. I'm excited for it. Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube at Nick Laporte or at Nick the door on most places. Love that. Love that language play. And uh, I'm Alex Williams and you can find me at Humane Cities on Instagram and YouTube. And uh, I've, you know what, my goal for 2024 is one video a week. And I was successful last week. I did publish a video. Uh, And uh, this week, I actually am working on my Netherlands video oh, so yeah. that's that's actually going to be an exciting one yeah. yes i went there i witnessed it and i have things to say about it alex so, is going to be orange pilling the whole audience here <laughs> or maybe de orange pilling maybe maybe i was deconverted uh we'll just have to wait and see so you can tune into my stuff at humane cities uh on instagram and youtube and with that make sure you give us a follow at Radio Free Urbanism on all of the platforms and send us an email about what's going on in your area. That's radiofreeurbanism at gmail.com. Thanks Swoosh. once again for joining us, folks. <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism.